Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Our prenup defines that I get a certain lump sum amount if we divorce before the three-year mark. But post the three-year mark, I get more than that. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Hopefully you guys are having as lovely a day as I am. And uh, we have so much to talk about, like I can't even really get into the the blathering that I usually do. So uh, before I get into the actual episode, just a couple of quick announcements. I was on a couple of podcasts over the past week, so I would recommend that you check them out. They were both lovely conversations. First of all, Internet Girls Podcast. I was asked to be on and had a great conversation with them about the premiere episode of Kardashians. So yeah, check out Internet Girls Podcast. And you know, as you know, the Dream Team back again. I was on Feathers in My Hair yesterday talking about the latest episode of Teen Mom uh, with my girl Liz. You know, it's always a, a fun time talking to her. You already know what it is. I mean, you, you get it. You get it. The girls who get it, get it. And the girls who don't, go over to Feathers in My Hair and listen to it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk about the episode. Uh, so here's here's the thing. I had been ruminating in my mind, tossing around whether or not I wanted to dedicate this entire episode to legal court drama in the celebrity realm, because as you guys know, the girls are litigating and a lot is happening right now. But my girl is going to go to 
you know, and I'm just going to be brave enough to say it because I, I frankly have been kind of a pussy about it on Twitter because it's just not worth the headache. But my girl is going to the Johnny Depp fans of the world. <sighs> They're like truly one of the worst groups of people. I, the, the whole like standum fandom of it all is like ick enough, but the fact that they're just a legion of seemingly mostly white women who are just like standing this man down through this trial with Amber Heard to the point where I don't want to say like you guys are taking the fun out of this for me, but I would like to know more about this and have a, be able to have like an open discourse without some like Captain Jack Sparrow fan calling me a cunt because I dare to have an opinion that is not like hers or theirs. So like, I just like, yeah, the girl goes out to you guys because I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to get into it. I wanted to talk about like him uh, shitting the bed or something. And, uh, you know, the it's five o'clock somewhere line that he did in reference to his clear uh, addiction with alcohol. I wanted to talk about all that. I wanted to get into all that, but like you guys are just ruining it for me. So sorry, maybe next week I'll, I'll get over the salty feeling and taste in my mouth. But for now it is what it is. So I'm not going to be talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Not this week guys, maybe next. Um, guys, the can I get a hell yeah is something that a lot of us have been waiting for. Did not think we'd see the day. Wow. 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 I am thrilled, excited, <sighs> not titillated at all because why would I have retitillated by anything that Michael Darby did? But they're, they're, they're divorcing you guys. Ashley is finally separated from that leech that gargoyle, that barnacle of a man, no longer do we have to suffer through his papery, thin skin, those milky, wet eyes, those groping, grabbing little fingers. And I am so, so happy about the Peloton. I don't even want to deal with his Peloton, okay? I'm so thrilled that Ashley, hopefully, fingers crossed, will be moving out of that dusty dank bachelor pad with those two children and it's not a place for children okay that's that's not a home for a family and i am like not even one of those people like you know like the women in beverly hills would be like oh my gosh i have an additional child so we require we have to move to a house that's another thousand square feet like i you know i don't believe in that but Y'all are posted up in like a true fuck shack in a penthouse in DC. It just doesn't make sense. You know, like that is a house for horny stuff. That's a house for, um, you know, uh, like lighting, lighting that changes colors and, you know, goes to the beat of the music that you're playing round beds, silk sheets. You know what I mean? Musk. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a home for that, for horny, weird shit. Like Michael. Um, so apparently Michael has moved out of the penthouse he has for quite some time. We all know that he owned the building, um, that that penthouse is in. So hopefully Ashley moves out sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean, it started off, the blogs were talking and then Ashley Darby herself said, you know what? 
Michael and I have posted skittered on down to Instagram. I was like, you know what? Michael and I have decided to separate. And if you want to hear more about this, go over to bravo.dailydish.com to hear about my, to hear more of my official separation announcement. I mean, what a time, what a time to be alive. So I kicked it on down to Bravo's daily dish. Cause I wanted to save her everywhere. Mm, yummy, 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 yummy. And here we are. Let's talk about what she said. Almost eight years ago, when Michael and I said I do, we anticipated sharing every single day together from that moment forward. Coffee and love is playing in my head, literally, as I'm reading this, by the way. I'm sick. I'm a sick person. Unfortunately, that's not our current reality. Amen. We have decided to separate. Double amen. We are aware that there will be many speculative views as to why we've made this decision. As long as you know, girl, Um, people will be quick to assume that the causes were too much intrusion by reality TV into the most personal parts of our lives, age gap issues, cultural problems or child rearing differences. Um, I think most of it was Michael's intrusion into other people's bodies in the most personal parts of their lives. But anyway, um, she goes on to say pieces of all these may have affected our pure love for each other. But no one reason is the root cause of our mutual decision to go our separate ways. We're now both at very different stages in our lives and have different goals for our futures. We both want the other to achieve true happiness and fulfillment and feel that we cannot do this together. Something that you probably could have realized eight years ago when you're like, hmm, this guy is 29 years older than me. But anyway, her statement continued, while our romantic bond is broken, triple amen for that, we will always love and respect each other. We also know that true happiness can only be achieved by continuing to work together and putting our hearts and souls into raising our two beautiful boys, Dean and Dylan. They will always feel loved and supported for they were truly created out of love. Yuck. As this is a personal, I mean, God bless the children, but you like disgusting. As this is a personal matter for us, we appreciate everyone who's been a part of our journey and asking for your continued support by respecting us as we go through this emotional situation. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so apparently they've been having serious issues for about a year now, which seems. Hmm. More recent than I would have thought. Um, Apparently, there's been a visceral disconnect between them as a couple. And for Ashley, the inconsistencies within the relationship and trust issues led to the split. And there was another insider who reported to people that Ashley's ready to start dating. She's been telling people and she's been asking people to like, hey, put out feelers. I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. I'm ready to have a hot girl summer just in time, girl. And I'm here for you. Come on down to New York. I I don't know who I could introduce you to, but... We can make it happen. We can definitely make it happen. So as you guys know, as you heard at the top of this episode, um, Ashley did good. She did She did real good. She done real good, okay? Um, from a few seasons ago, we saw her renegotiating her prenup in which initially... Um, so they got married in 2014, and the prenup one of the conditions of the prenup was that uh she would only get a certain percentage should they divorce before that three-year mark um but then after that it was going to be half right but ashley decided to change the three-year benchmark to five years in an effort of good faith and loyalty right so just want to go to 20 so that was in 2017 okay so she gave it another five years which 17 plus 5, it'd be 2022. Brilliant, girl. (laughs) 
chef's kiss couldn't have imagined it any better i don't really know what michael has in the bank but you just definitely deserve half i I think that would be conservative if anything um oh god bless god bless her for that i feel lighter i hope she does and i had a feeling i had there's something in the way she had been like really taken to tiktok that was giving single woman it was giving like i'm spending the time that i would be uh, normally spending like rubbing Ben Gay on my husband's calves and using that to learn like the newest, you know, uh, I, I don't know the name of the TikTok songs, you guys. I don't know. I, I, was, I was really trying. You could probably hear my mind try to form an answer to that. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. But anyway, the point is we're thrilled for Ashley. I have a feeling this is going to be an incredible season for her and the next one too. We're also blessed to be free of the shackles of this shit relationship that should never have been. Okay. Take a sigh of relief. Let's move on. Oh, also just a little tidbit. Katie, um, Katie Ross, my girl, one of my favorite housewives. And I mean that like I just laughed. I, and I know you heard that. But like, I mean that with no sense of irony. I love Katie. I love her. She's been actively campaigning to return. She's been adding Andy and all that, like promising to be a good girl. Like she really just wants to work. And I say, let her do it. Let her do it. Okay, let her do it. Let her play. So moving on, I don't know if you guys saw this. I feel like it didn't really make the rounds in the way that I expected. Um, But Faith from Vanderpump Rules is back at it again. And I mean that in the best possible way, because you know who she's suing? Lauren from Utah. Hell yeah. (laughs) You know what? I'm here for it. So apparently... In season four, uh, Faith released this exclusive statement to Screen Rant. I'm not sure why, but you know, that's not really the point. Um, Faith says that in season four, Lala tried to attack her with a knife and that production worked behind the scenes to keep the public from finding out. So she goes on to say that in the, she's in the beginning stages of legal action um, and that, yeah, this was like on camera. It got cut. And a friend of Faith provided a full statement. <laughs> We're like scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Like, I'm still here for you. I, like, a, your friend? Your friend? Like, who? Okay. So apparently this friend said, Lala Kent pulled a knife on Faith while saying the words, I'll cut a bitch in the middle of a heated argument in Sir during the filming of season four of Vanderpump Rules. At the time of the attack, the production company Evolution and Lisa Vanderpump discouraged stowers from taking necessary legal action. NBC Universal and the Bravo Network did not allow the scene to air in the hopes of burying the consequences. The friend goes on to say that the statement went on to note um, Stassi's past interview on um, a different podcast, the Bitch Bible podcast, where she was talking about this. I remember this. She was talking about like how uh, Lala had gone after, excuse me, Faith and had also uh, like strategically placed things around her apartment because Faith was crashing on her couch at the time and would strategically place things around her apartment to see if Faith would steal. Yuck. But yeah, so apparently this happened and uh, Stassi talked about it on a podcast, but that podcast got scrapped. Um, But somebody found the receipts 
And yeah, they, they have the clip. The internet is forever, you guys. I, I've been trying to tell you all that. So th- the quote from Stassi is, oh, because Lala, she pulled a knife out on her faith on camera this season, except they didn't air that. Um, so apparently this was captured by Twitter user Brian Gray. Uh, Faith's friend notes that Stassi has confirmed the incident during public interviews. And at the time of the knife attack, Faith was serving in the United States Army and was worried about her honorable service and during such an event. Um, she felt bullied and manipulated by the network and seeks justice. I'm here for it. I'm here for you to do it. You know, like that is clearly not okay. And I don't, I'm not saying that this is not true. I'm just wondering why she didn't bring this up earlier because it sounds like they have actual receipts and Bravo. Like if you're starting a situation like this, Bravo's going to be called to the carpet to release that footage. Like they're going to, be legally obligated to do that. So, you know, (laughs) obviously I believe her because why the fuck would you say something like this was on camera if it actually wasn't? Because it's basically going to be hinging on that bit of information and evidence. So I hope this shit comes out. I don't know what Faith could get from Lala. Um, I'm not really sure how the give them la la beauty banks are doing. I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, do it anyway, make a point, send a message. Moving on with more lawsuits in the Bravo world. Nene leaks has filed an explosive suit in Atlanta accusing, uh, real houses of Atlanta and Andy of ignoring her complaints about years of racist remarks from none other than Kim Zodiac Beer Can. So in this suit, Nene claims that Kim um, made racially offensive and stereotypical comments about Nene and Candy over multiple seasons, and at one point even used the N-word to reference Nene and other black housewives during a fight. So she says that the uh, bits of evidence that she's making are all things that happen on the show, like how... Um, you know, the situation with Brielle saying that, uh, Nene had roaches in her house and what is she? Oh, she also made that comment about how when Candy moved into her new house, the house that she lives in now, like she was afraid to go into that neighborhood because she thought it was the ghetto, like, you know, shit like that. So Nene is saying that she logged these complaints to the executives at NBC and Bravo. And rather than them doing anything about her, about it, they gave Kim don't be tardy. And on top of that, they started punishing Nene. So she says that she was involved like during the black lives matter movement a couple summers ago, that she had been involved in storylines and, and other things. And that uh, Bravo had intentionally uh, kept her away from scenes that included conversations about black lives matter. Um, and also she, like I said, she's doing NBC universal Bravo, true entertainment, truly original and Andy Cohen saying that they all fostered a corporate and workplace and culture where racially insensitive and inappropriate behavior is tolerated, if not encouraged. Um, the interesting thing about that is that she's not suing Kim. I mean, can you sue people for being like passively racist? I don't think so. <laughs> Otherwise I have a, a lot of complaints to file myself, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is interesting. I think she's got a case here. Um, 
you know, I also just like, I'm very curious about what is going on behind the scenes with Nini because she vacillates between wanting to come back to Atlanta and going completely scorched earth with Andy and the network. And this is not the first time, as we know, like she, you know, gosh, this was like almost two years ago. She went off on Andy when he had Wendy on the show and talked about how they both use drugs and Andy's like a cokehead and he's racist and this, that, and the third. And then last year, late last year, maybe November, she said she wanted to come back on the show. And after Greg passed away, um, they had been, you know, maybe tossing around the possibility of that happening. So then before the news of this lawsuit came out, like a couple days before that, she had been on Twitter talking about how people were following her and they need to leave her alone. And it's like she's been harassed and all this incessant uh, abuse had been happening to her and like she just wanted to be left alone. And so I'm just very confused. I, I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm with Nini. If any of this is true, I'm completely with her. I think it's very there that she I understand why Nini feels that way I understand why it does feel like Kim got rewarded with the show why she kept having that show on for seasons and meanwhile like yeah she was racist like I mean there's nothing that Nini is saying that isn't true I just don't know like how you could prove you would have to be able to prove that you logged these complaints and that you said these things and conversations were being had, which I think probably could be. I don't don't know what I'm confused about. I'm with Nini. I'm with Nini (laughs) because nothing she said like wasn't true. I just don't know, like as a lawsuit, what you get out of that. But like, you know, like I said, with faith, like faith, make a statement, prove a point. Do you guys want to talk about how Ben Affleck's a fucking liar? (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about it um so on the latest season of selling sunset which just dropped on netflix on friday heads up you guys i will be doing uh selling sunset season five recap on wednesday um you guys gotta get into my patreon you guys you, you got to get into it because I'm, I'm talking about all sorts of things over there. Last week I did the Abercrombie documentary. The week before that I did the ultimatum. But there's all sorts of shit back there, okay? All sorts of shit behind that gated community. I did recap the entire Bethany getting married and Bethany ever after season series, rather. Um, I talked about all sorts of celebrity weddings from um, <laughs> Liza Minnelli and David Okay, uh, all the way to Candy's wedding. Like, there's so much random shit in there. Lindsay Lohan's uh, Oprah special that she did uh, on OWN. All that stuff. So many other things. Check me out, patreon.com slash Podcast. Like I said, this week I'll be talking about Selling Sunset. May, I'm going to be talking about models. Like, I, I told you guys this like a month ago. Model May. I'm going to be talking Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss, um, the whole shebang in the modeling industry, that sort of thing. So check me out. Like I said, patreon.com slash EBBM podcast plug over. With that being said, okay, so on season five, Emma 
from last year with the dry empanadas. Emma, who tried to act like she had some sort of uh, wild, like she was fucking famous Amos with her uh, food empire. Come to find out just like some nasty gringo empanadas. But anyway, she's in a conversation during one of the episodes with Chriselle. And she mentions how she had a conversation with none other than Ben Affleck on Raya. And they're talking about dating. Chriselle mentions how last year a girl went viral. Maybe two years ago, a girl went viral on TikTok because she had said um, she was on Raya, thought she went to match with Ben Affleck and then was like, you know, I, I think this guy might be a catfish. So she, then she unmatched him. But the real Ben Affleck found her on Instagram and DM'd her and was like, hey, it's really me. Like, why did you unmatch me? Whatever. So Emma says on Selling Sunset that she also, they had some exchanges. They're both from Boston. He was a really nice guy. They never met, but like, you know, they would, there were, you know, a couple of requests to go and have coffee but it never really panned out. Um, she said that this happened like pretty much right before this, like 2019, right before Benifer came out and that, yeah, that, that was basically it. So tell me why Ben Affleck's people came out with a statement to say that they never met, that he doesn't know what she's talking. He never met her. He never spoke to her. I don't know her, blah, blah, blah. Why would you do that? <laughs> why would Ben Affleck, waste his time to do like an official statement about that. That's weird, right? But it gets weirder. So I'm thinking in my own mind's eye, why is this? Oh, also he said that he had never been on Raya. That that was the thing that I found interesting. This is why I'm talking about this. Um, because your girl here, um, who like doesn't know a whole bunch of celebrities, <laughs> maybe a few, but not too many, um, has, several people in LA that have said that they've matched or seen Ben Affleck on Raya. I know this to be true recently. I mean, not like recently JLo time recently, but you know, in the past few years, right? I'm like, why is this man saying that he's never been on Raya? I know he has. I know that he has, and I'm not even on Raya. Okay. Um, so then they had to switch it up and say that, um, Ben's people came out with an official statement that Raya has officially said they, that Ben has not been on the account or he has not had an account in several years. Now, why are you telling us that Raya said that? Raya's not telling us that directly. Why are you telling us that? That's fishy, right? Something in the milk ain't clean for that. Right. So I just thought that was very interesting. Um, uh, and also saying like, Oh, I haven't been on in several years. Well, yeah, she was referencing 2019, which would be like a few years ago at this point, Ben, I just thought it was interesting that like he would address it and that he would lie and that he, that, and then he had to clean it up. Like he didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to, it, there's no world in which like the hierarchy of celebrity in which Ben Affleck would have to address somebody on Selling Sunset. Like, it, it <laughs> that doesn't have to happen. And yet he did, and he played himself. And so I'm calling it out because I feel like a lot of people didn't catch that he intentionally lied, but I did. I did. Okay? You're welcome. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Kara Berry here, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, here to talk to you about the week one highlights and lowlights of the trial between one Angela White, aka Black China, and Kylie Jenner, Kris Jenner, Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, and Robert Kardashian. Let's get into it. So many things happened. This has been already the trial of the century, in my opinion, okay? I love it. And it's truly, truly messy. I'm going to be doing this every week until it's over. I mean, I can't imagine that this trial is going to take that much longer. Probably just like one more segment, maybe two. (laughs) So like, let's just talk about all the mess. Okay. So uh, last week, after four years, five years in the making um, of Black China, aka Angela White, suing Rob, Kylie, Chris, Kim, and Chloe, not Courtney, okay? Um, not Kendall either. Over, Kendall was in the initial one, and then I think she got dropped, okay? But she initially sued them back in 2017. Uh, back to plug my Patreon real quick. I did talk about Black and China, Black China and Rob's relationship recently. This would be a really great um, little update as to where they are before you um, listen to the recap about their their trial, okay? Um, so she sues them back in 2017, alleging that there was supposed to be a season two of Robin China and that the family intentionally thwarted it in order to screw Black China out of money, etc. right? It's worth noting that by the time... Season two, really like five minutes after season two had gotten greenlit, Rob and China broke up. So it really calls into question, you know, how are you going to have a season two if you guys weren't together? But this is what mess is made of. Okay. Hey now, hey now. This is what mess is made of. Hillary Duff said that. Don't, don't look it up. Um, she, here we are. We're, we're finally, she's finally getting her day in court. So, so many things came up. Where do I even start? Let's start with the naked pictures, right? As we all remember a few years ago, Rob took to Instagram and then got kicked off of Instagram and then went to Twitter to 
blast all of these uh, videos and pictures of Black China in bed with other men, Black China being squirted off to uh, surgery after having dream, all sorts of like really personal shit in an act of revenge, right? Revenge porn, all the whole thing. So like I said, Rob gets kicked off of Instagram. Black China the very next day um, hires, oh, I think it was Lisa Bloom, you know, you know, one of the top high-powered lady attorneys in Hollywood. And then they kick it down down to uh, Good Morning America to talk about the situation. She filed a restraining order uh, against Rob at that point, And here we are. Rob now has to pretend like he's Ro- he's not Rob Kardashian official on Instagram. Um, so his account doesn't get taken down again. So... Um, the trial began last week and the first day was jury selection, right? Everybody's there. Um, you know, they're asking the jurors the right questions. You know, the deal. Tokyo Tony also happened to be in attendance. (sighs) Hours later, Tokyo Tony would, um, take to Instagram live and start rolling a blunt in a way that I thought was really, um, uh, heavily reliant on saliva. I've truly never seen anybody roll anything in that way. I, I mean, COVID, COVID, even pre COVID, I would never smoke that blunt. But anyway, um, she's uh, rolling a blunt and talking about the pre-trial situation and how she was there. All the women were there just giving us all the highlights, just two girls talking to each other, you know, kitchen table talk, right? She's talking about how how busted everybody looked, the Kardashian and Jenner women look, and how um, they have plumped up parts of their faces that should be um, sunken in, and how it looks weird. And she, at one point, compares Chris to Jigsaw from Saw. She says, doesn't she look like that little man on the tricycle? Okay, get yourself together, okay? Um, Then she goes on to say that uh, (laughs) basically all the women had intentionally dressed like a bummy in order to, you know, like uh, make the jury feel some type of way. Um, You know, people are asking questions about, you know, what you know about the family, of course. Kim's sex tape comes up and she's talking about how all the women like had to tighten their faces up and, and pretend like they didn't have any reaction to that. Um, she was talking about how Kylie was intentionally making eye contact with her through her peripheral vision and <laughs> how she was not slick in her um, attempt to do so. And uh, yeah, she also got pissed off at the judge at one point and said she was going to get him. So um, suffice to say, Tokyo got kicked out of the courtroom on day one. So, (laughs) oh Lord. Okay. What happened after that? Okay. So like, let me go back. I was talking about the revenge porn with Rob, right? So uh, Black China was on the stand about that. They're asking her questions. Why did you go to Good Morning America the next day? Don't you think that looks a little opportunist? You know, why would you file a restraining order? Don't you just feel like these are a little, like, uh, extreme responses to somebody blasting your pussy all over Instagram? And she said no. Basically, that she felt like 
the uh, restraining order was something that she had to do to get him to stop. And yeah, like she might have an OnlyFans, but he posted every part of her body. Um, at one point she starts crying and has to like collect herself. And yeah, I mean, I- I'm with you. There was also a pretty, well, I don't want to say it was pretty sensationalist. I mean, it wasn't too far off from the truth, but I think, you know, it was a bit of a jump quote regarding um, Black China saying that she was joking when she um, tried to choke uh, Rob with a phone cord, charger cord, and put a gun to his head. Okay, so sounds bad, right? It sounds real bad. But she explains more the situation. So this apparently happened December 2016. They had just gotten, they just found out that they got greenlit for season two and they were having a good time. She says they were at the house, you know, uh, like just being childlike, throwing money in the air, play wrestling, what have you. Um, Rob claims that his shirt was torn during this uh, altercation. She says that it, the shirt was torn because it happened when they were celebrating and just like having fun. Right. And so this was the night of the phone charger choke that Rob is alleging. And she says that she was just joking and he, she did it while he was playing video games later that night. And it was a, a joke to attempt to get her to pay him to pay more attention to her. She was not trying to strangle him, etc. Then she says that Rob would accuse her of cheating all the time. He would steal her phone and that there was an incident where he took her phone and locked himself in the room. And so she got mad. This must've been around Christmas and broke one of those gingerbread houses that Chris gets for everybody with their names on the outside and broke something else. She does say that she did that out of anger. She made full uh, no bones about that. She's like, yes, I absolutely did those actions out of anger. I didn't choke him out of anger. And also she says with the, the gun to the, his head moment that he was on FaceTime talking to his friends and eating and that she, it was his gun. He kept it on the dresser. He told her that he never kept bullets in the gun. Um, so she took it and was just joking and was like, like she did it while he was on FaceTime, meaning other people must have seen it and be like, oh, don't leave me, blah, blah, blah. Now, would I have done that? Absolutely fucking not. Like it is the height of like, okay, let's say you were really joking. I, you know, I don't know about that, China. But um, even if you were like, definitely don't put a gun to anybody's head, like a real gun to anybody's head. Like we know, like I would never even touch a gun so much as like put it up like and and think about it. Like, so she didn't try to pull the trigger. She says she was told that there were no guns in it, but whatever, like poor, bad F, you get an F grade on that one, China. I, I can't give it to you. But she goes on to say that their relationship was really shitty and that Rob would constantly call to question uh, her faithfulness in the relationship and that he even um, got a paternity test for Dream. I mean, he look, she looks just like him. I'm not sure why, but I can see Rob acting like that. Like, if y'all go back to watch Rob in China, which, like, don't trust me on this, he is jealous. He is constantly jealous. He is, he does, he goes through her phone. We see it. And then when she asks him if he's talking to other bitches, he's like, uh, 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 uh you know, he's a liar. So I just feel like if I'm going to base my opinion of these people on their show, which, you're telling me it's a reality show that's true, then, you know, you get what you get on that. I'm a little bit team China. Like, I just feel like there are a lot of dark things. Now, the physical stuff, 
is a big no-no for me. So, like, don't get that twisted. That's a no for me, dog. But I also feel like Rob is a very difficult person. And here this this example, let, let me talk about these things, and it paints a picture. So Chris made a bunch of claims, just like right out the gate, about um, China threatening to kill basically everybody in her family. The first claim, she says, was told to her by Tyga and Kylie that China had threatened to kill Kylie. She says this happened years ago. Tyga and Kylie both said it. But when she gets on the stand and they ask her about it, it's a little cagey. Little little cagey, I thought. So when they ask her if she said that, 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 that China had threatened to suit or kill Kylie, she says she doesn't remember. Chris says, I don't recall. So the lawyer then says, well, in your deposition for this case, you did say that. <laughs> and then they keep asking her about it. And she's like, okay, well, I would have to ask Kylie and Tyga because they're the actual ones who said that. Like, they're the ones that have that first information. And she was like, you know, I probably thought it was just some drama, which I'm used to. Now, y'all know I'm not a mother, but like, okay, if you genuinely thought that somebody was threatening to kill your child, wouldn't you do something about that? And would you not just be like, eh, you know, maybe I think she was just being a little dramatic. And then, and if that's what you thought, then why would you remember it all these years later? You know, girl, tell the truth. Then they said that even after hearing the threat against Kylie, Chris was still really supportive of Tyga or of Black China and Rob getting engaged. And her response to that, like, you know, if she was really that threatening, why would you want her to marry your son? She says, Well, I love second chances and I wanted them to win. I wanted my son to be happy. And that she just relied on the assumption that China wasn't being serious. Okay, well, why would you bring it up in the deposition then? You know? <laughs> So with regard to the phone cord situation and the phone, to, uh, the gun to the head situation, um, Chris says that she thought that Black China tried to murder Rob. And when China's lawyer asked if she believed that China attempted to murder her son, Chris says, I do. She says that she came to that conclusion after looking at everything going back on going on back then between Rob and China. And she made claims that Rob had marks on his body from the phone cord that China wrapped around his neck and the torn shirt. And so when they asked her, Chris, why she didn't call the police if she thought China was going to kill her son, she's like, well, I just thought that Black China had enough problems with cops. And I figured for her own security, she would use her own security to handle their business. Like Chris's personal security, which was comprised of former LAPD officers. Now, um, just like all of you uh, OJ trial heads, just take a second to see why that would not make sense to you if you had been so close to a situation like that. Like, just going to put you guys on some game. Um, OJ, back in the day, had a lot of friends in the LAPD, and they were the ones who were keeping his uh, physical abuse off book, if you will. They were actively protecting him. And even though Nicole would call the cops and say that he's beating me, he's doing it again. They would basically just be like, Oh, okay. You know, and move on. So you're telling me that you're in a situation where you think that your son's partner 
is literally legitimately going to kill your son. And you've been in a situation that is extremely famous or closely tied to it. And you just figured that the cops would handle it. I mean, not to like, like, I'm just saying like, if my friend had been killed and the cops, you know what I mean? Y'all picking up what I'm putting like, what? That doesn't make sense to me, Kristen. That does not make sense. So then they pulled out some text messages that Chris sent. And one of them is like, he, meaning Rob, is devastated and he needs to ditch the bitch. The bitch being China. So they asked her about that. And Chris said that she just sent that, sent that text message when she was angry. And she probably could have used a word that was nicer. But then when China's lawyer asked Chris, why would you want to use a nicer word to describe somebody who you thought might be capable of murdering your son? She says, well... It's just really not the way I like to talk about people. <laughs> then there was another text that Chris sent to the showrunner of Rob and China and says, let's take her China off the show and just make it Rob raising his daughter. So when they ask her why she sent that text, she says, well, this is my son who's been traumatized and I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And then she started to cry and compared Rob having a gun pointed to his head like uh, Kim in Paris in that situation. And so that was no answer, by the way. And then so they asked her about another text where she claimed that China beat the crap out of Rob's face and what she meant behind it. Chris's explanation says, it's like if I was at the Academy Awards and got hit in the face, I might say that I got the shit beat out of my face. So basically, she's saying that it probably, she was just using a figure of speech and that it really wasn't, like, that serious. Like, if I were Chris Rock, I would have said that too. But, you know, just, just a lot of lying from Kristen Jenner. And I see it, girl. And I see it. Um, with that, you guys... We're going to end with a mini recap of the episode two of Kardashians on Hulu. Uh, Yeah, if you guys are able to and you want to, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify would be greatly, greatly appreciated. You've heard the spiel before, but it's absolutely true. The more you guys give me good reviews, the higher up I get in the charts, the higher up I get in the charts, the more visibility I have, the more visibility, you know, the bigger the family gets, right? And that's all good for all of us. Okay. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. So what's the deal with Kanye? Is he coming? Yeah, he's here already. He literally took a coach commercial flight. Stop. Sat like in the seat next to the bathroom. Kanye is in New York to support me, but we also have like set some serious boundaries. Like Kanye and I are staying at separate hotels. I've been really clear with him as far as like where we stand in our relationship. Just super drama free is the vibe for this. Hi everyone. Let's slip on some skims for Fendi and talk about episode two of Kardashians on Hulu. Not a whole lot to talk about, so let's just get into it really quickly. Chris gets to lying right out the gate, as per usual, talking in a confessional about how she's going to be a pillar of strength and support for Kim in this time. So if you guys don't know, last episode, we found out that Ray J's manager may or may not be in possession of some uh, previously unreleased footage from their faded sex tape that Kim will very quickly remind you over and over again was 20 years ago. 
So what Chris is saying is that she wants to be a pillar and strength of support for Kim. But what she's doing is telling Kim that she's got to go to a meeting. So if she needs help with the styling, which is why she really came over there, then let her know later. So thank you for your support and your strength in this difficult time, Chris Jenner. Um, then we see Chris, not Chris, Courtney and Travis go house hunting. They live about a block away from each other and have for years. But of course, like, what's the point of being horny in two houses when you can be horny in one? So they go house hunting. They find this place that is like really beautiful, like classically old Hollywood. I love the like L.A. real estate of it all. Show me more of that. But the inside of it was, I mean, beautiful, like rich, 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 hello, expensive, right? But it was very modern and modernized. And so when Courtney talked about how this is a house that she could imagine uh, Frank Sinatra in, I really had to let out a chuckle because um, do you guys think that Frank Sinatra would have a bedroom that had an LED neon sign that said LA in the style of the LA Dodgers? Because I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't. This is a part of Courtney's new relationship that cracks me up the most is that she really just be saying stuff like just desperately trying to keep up with whatever wealth of music knowledge that Travis has. But like, <laughs> you know, you can't compete when you where you can't compare. And that's it's just funny to me. I always like to see a bitch try. You, you guys know that. Um, so the real estate agent that they have enlisted to show them the house gets so uncomfortable because they've decided that it had been, what, eight, nine minutes, and they had to get some rubbing in, okay? So she is fully uh, reverse cowgirling on this other person's home's uh, backyard couch, and hello, they're in the middle of a tour of this house. That poor guy was literally like standing, <laughs> standing between the, like in the screen door, just like, should I, should I wait? Should I like, how long are they going to be doing this? What, like we were like halfway through the tour. I'm not finished yet. Should, like what, like totally in, in a state of repose. They have this whole scene where, like I said, she's sitting on his lap and Travis is telling Courtney that people don't like how affectionate they are because they're miserable and they don't get it. They don't get the love that they have for each other. Now I've seen this man, okay? Love bomb the fuck out of Shana Mokler. How many years ago on MTV? And now I'm seeing a man pretty well into his 40s talking about how everybody's just jealous of them as he's quite literally doing like tune in Tokyo on her breasts and grabbing is that a racist I hope that I hope I didn't do a racism there but you know what I mean like he's fully giving her a, a breast exam and and a tushy exam and talking about how other people are so jealous of them like sir you're 45 grow up our next scene, we see Malika for the first time on this iteration for the show. And I have to say that I have like pretty complicated feelings when it comes to Malika. I just wonder like how aware Malika is that she is an ESP. That is a term that I call an emotional support person. She would call herself and Chloe would call herself publicly. Um, she would refer to that as a best friend, but like, let's be real. Part of Malika's jobs, whatever, I don't know what else she does, but like one of her jobs, I hope she knows, is 
to be Chloe's friend, her public celebrity friend. And I hope that she knows that. And I also hope that she's being adequately compensated for it and that she has been, frankly. But then it's like I hear Malika say this dumb shit and it's like, here we go again. Okay, here we go. So Chloe is feeling some type of way because she is about to do uh, an interview with James Corden. And she says that she is not worried so much about the interview itself. She's worried about the people's reaction because... According to her, people have just such negative reactions and they, for no reason whatsoever, and they just can't wait to get in her ass, whether it's fake or not, about whatever perceived slight is going on with her. Um, no mention as to why, like, she keeps putting the clown makeup on her face, and that's really the only reason why people are talking about Chloe for the past several years. But, you know, not, that's neither here nor there, apparently. So Malika's telling her, oh, you know, just like, fuck the haters, blah, 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 and and Chloe is like, you know what? That's so funny that you mentioned that because Tristan said the same thing. And then Chloe talks in a confessional about how um, sh- Malika and Tristan are the ones who are really the ones who, in- the people in her life who keep her grounded. Can you imagine? <laughs> and that that's why she has such a connection with them. There also were um, some tweets, shout out to production for showing uh, some comments that people had made about Chloe with regard to like, uh, I think she's taking her butt implants out and like, she's the dumbest bitch on the planet. (laughs) One of them literally said, you're the dumbest bitch on the planet. No, the dumbest bitch award goes to at Chloe Kardashian. That, that was funny. Um, so Malika then says, uh, you know, just not to stress about it. And Chloe's like, well, frankly, I can't because, uh, you know, Chris gave me a beta blocker earlier that day. So let's celebrate that. So Kim, at this point, basically the whole episode, she's in New York. We're really stretching this SNL appearance out, okay? Because it's coming up next week, too. And she's really excited to be working with Amy Schumer. <laughs> On some jokes. But she also talks about the Kanye of it all. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. She's telling her glam team that Kanye flew commercial coach to New York to make sure that he was there for her appearance. Um, she also talked a little bit about their relationship at this point, about how, according to her, she's married very clear to Kanye, the status of their relationship. She did not tell us what that status was, but um, 
she was clear about it, apparently, and that they are going to be staying in separate hotels, but like, you know, they still have a supportive relationship. And then she says, my vibe for this week is just no drama. And this is really a lesson in like, be careful what you wish for, because that week I think was pretty good for Kim. But then the next 17 with regard to her relationship with Kanye were, you know, not so much. So ask, believe, receive, and be specific about what you're asking for. Let Kim be an example for that. Okay. Um, she then talks about how I kind of like this inside baseball stuff about how the opening monologue for SNL came along and how she was on a group chat with Kanye, Dave Chappelle and Michelle Wolf. And she keeps, she really keeps stepping in it. Like Kim has no idea that all of these people that she's associating herself with are like burnt in <laughs> Their reputations are burnt to, you know, some number of people. Like, Michelle was the one who did the White House Correspondents' Dinner, right? And she kind of, like, got a lot of clout for that. But didn't it come out that she had, like, been saying the N-word and had been doing all sorts of racisms on Twitter? She did something. I know she did something. Um, Also... You know, Dave Chappelle during this time was having all his drama with, uh, uh, you know, the bullshit that he was saying about trans people. I didn't even watch it, but I heard and it didn't sound great. Um, then Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer, this at some point talks about how writing jokes, the joke writing process is her most like her favorite part of comedy. Well, <laughs> This, like, just a couple weeks ago, there was a whole viral tweet about how Amy steals people's jokes, how she is, like, known in the comedy world for stealing people's jokes. I think she uh, has stolen Wanda Sykes' jokes at some point, and that she's, like, ruthless, doesn't give a shit, and if you bring it up, she, like, makes your life a living hell if you're, like, a, you know, quote-unquote lesser or, you know, name than her. So that's funny. That was funny to me. Um, then what happens? Okay. Malika, again, acts as an emotional support person to Chloe as she goes to James Corden. And they keep talking about, like, the high stakes of doing this interview. But, like, what was she even promoting? <laughs> Why were you even there, girl? And if it was really that big of a stressor for you, then just, like, don't go on James Corden. Like, this is the most softball interview process that you could possibly have, like, Nothing you could say from that interview could be, you know, a, a pull clip of something controversial. He's going to ask you some shit just like Ellen does. Like that man is in your back pocket and we all know it. Okay. There's no risk here. Um, but James comes in the green room and she tells him how she's feeling and he goes off. Again, I really had to laugh because I have this friend on the internet, Stephanie, who said something very innocuous and I wish I could remember it, but just like something about how like she just didn't really like James Corden, you know, a feeling that many of us feel, right? He DM'd her, guys. Okay, so imagine my face. He DM'd her and was like, I, you know, I just think it's, that really made me sad. That tweet really made me, bummed me out. But like, you know, I have to realize that like, you know, it's, it's okay. Maybe it's just something that you wanted to say. Like he really went full guilt trip on her. 
So to hear him do this whole speech to Chloe and Chris and Malika about how you're not supposed to let the haters get you down because look at us. Here we are on a Monday drinking champagne at four o'clock. We're the lucky ones. And, you know, you just have to realize that those people are sad and they have something going on and it has nothing to do with you. Blah, blah, blah. And Chloe is getting emotional. Chris is getting emotional. This is the most basic shit I know Chloe's seen this quote over and over when she's combing through quotes to post on Instagram stories. Like, girl, they were acting like this was the I have a dream speech. Like, they were shook. Absolutely shook. Chris was like, did somebody record that? Baby, baby, you're mic'd up. You you always have been. The reaction. <laughs> As though he really, like, you did that, James Corden. <laughs> okay, girl. Uh, so, anyway, uh, what happens after that? Oh, later, Courtney starts to talk about her journey with IVF and how things are really not going well. I'm, I'm a little confused about the science of uh, the claims that she was making. I have never heard of this. So I'm just going to repeat what she said, and I'll let you guys form your own opinion, okay? Um, she says that she has lived her life in such a way, very clean, very judicious with the things that she's putting in her body, just like the extreme top-tier amount of health, pillar of health, Kourtney Kardashian is. And so when she and she seems a little pissed off, actually, because she phrased it like the doctor was the one who kind of made us go through the IVF journey. Like this wasn't something that she wanted to do. And so apparently whatever she's taking has pushed her into menopause. And she says that because she's so extremely healthy, the drugs and the routine that she was on did the opposite of what it was supposed to do and has now like worked as a contraception for them rather than helping she and Travis on her fertility journey. So rather than like upping the chances, it's actually lowered it. Uh, now, Personally, I have never heard of somebody being so healthy that the medical field has like that, that she's like some sort of medical anomaly for which medicine would act in the exact opposite way of its intention. Um, I've never heard of that. But if you have, holler at a player because I'm willing to hear it. It just seemed. OK, it just seemed it just seemed okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I will like, she seems really stressed out and I don't want to take away from that. Like, obviously they want to have kids together and I understand that she's like, this is my chance to do it right. So to speak and have a child or children with somebody that I'm like really in love with and is my soulmate or whatever. And, uh, yeah, like I, I get it. I get it. She's, She's the one who really should be stressed out about social media comments because she's not asking for this. Like, again, Chloe, you're the one putting your clown makeup on their face, talking about how you and Tristan are the best friends in the whole wide world. Um, Courtney, however, is like trying to have a kid with a person that she loves. And then people keep talking about, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you've gained weight. When the reality is she's going through something, uh, you know, that is like 
frustrating and not working and it's doing these things to her body that are making people talk about her. That I would say would be a genuine reason to be stressed out. Chloe, I'm not saying that Chloe can't like deal with it, but like, you know, these are choices that you are making and people are just commenting on them. And so if the comments are bad, girl, it is, it is what it is. And we am what we am. She's having this conversation with Chris and Chris is talking about her journey and how in 94 she had a miscarriage and that kind of threw her body off hormonally. Um, and yeah, it was just like a, a nice moment where they really seemed to get each other. And, and Chris was actually being like a <laughs> good mother um, and like supporting her and being like, I totally understand. I see you. I understand your journey as a woman. And like, you know, I'm here for you. Right. Um, so then we're back in New York with Kim and Courtney. So here's the deal. Uh, Kim invited Scott to come to SNL. And so Courtney, I guess, had made plans to not go. Um, if you guys remember, uh, Travis ended up performing on SNL the week later because MGK did something, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so Courtney calls Kim and tells her, uh, yeah, I guess there was a conversation around possibly doing a skit sketch with, uh, Chloe, Kim and Courtney on SNL. So Courtney calls Kim and says, Hey, I'm not coming. It's because of Scott. And I also don't think it would be right for you to disinvite him. Like it would be really rude. So, you know, I'm sorry. I would love to do it, but I can't. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why you can't, right? Because you saying I can't because Scott's going to be there is giving Travis doesn't want him to be there. So like, let's talk about that. You know, let's get into her. Um, she was actually really nice about it, but like, I just want to get into the mess. And if we're not like, let's move on. Right. Um, so then Kim is talking about like how hectic the week is going to be, how one of the days she's going to have to be up for like 23 hours. She's never worked that hard. She's never done an all nighter. This is like a really big change for her. Blah, blah, blah. At one point she's in glam with, uh, Steph Shep, Tracy, um, Makeup by Mario, somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Her team, right? The squad. And they're talking about this moment and how big it is. And again, they're acting as the emotional support people to Kim. First of all, I couldn't help but realize that as Kim is on the phone, I don't even remember who she's on the phone with. Um, she is sitting on the couch with Tracy and Steph, and they all have... Same length, same color, middle part hair. <laughs> and I just wonder for Kim, does she ever like step outside of herself and look at the people around her? Like it's one thing to have created a whole culture of like what is beautiful. We know Kim has done that, created the the Instagram body, the, uh, you know, fat ass, tiny waist uh, aesthetic. But to look at the people that you employ and are in your closest circle and to see that they have also, you know, been affected by your look. <laughs> That's weird, right? Like, how do you look at two people who are the closest to you and they look just like you. 
and they're dressing just like you and they're in the athleisure and I mean, it just it's uncanny it was so strange but anyway, out of nowhere, Kim starts, well, first of all, Kim starts talking about how like, this is, you know, a big moment for her, which is totally fair. But then the camera pans over to make up by Mario. He's, the man is weeping. Okay. Weeping. Telling Kim how he was crying earlier. So this is weep number two about how 12 years ago, he remembers when Kim was doing her first uh, talk show appearance which we all know was on the first episode of keeping up it was uh with tyra banks the one and only and how excited kim was and how this is just like a full circle moment and bawling and they're crying everybody's crying tracy's shedding a tear steph shep's you know shoving a, a kleenex into her cornea everybody's crying except for kim she does hug mario but then she tells him like, I hear you and I see you and I'm like picking up what you're putting down here, but I can't ruin my makeup. So like, I'm not going to cry. Ma'am, his, his name is Makeup by Mario. He, he can do your makeup. He's right here crying about how you guys have been on this makeup journey together. He can do it. That's why he's here. Anyway, um, just this whole, whole moment where they're just like, I can't believe it. This is such a moment for you. <laughs> like, isn't that weird? <laughs> Doesn't he step outside of himself? And I just, I always think about these people who like have dedicated their lives to one person and to one person's journey. Like I, as I was watching genius, the Kanye documentary, I'm thinking about how this, these people dedicated years of their lives to following Kanye around and like, thank God it ended up working. But what if Kanye just ended up fading into obscurity? And then this man spent 10 plus years of his life recording somebody who didn't make it. Like, how do you feel? Like, how do you just dedicate so much of your life to one person and you're feeling all that emotion and you're like helping her on her journey with her life. But where, what, where's your life? You know, where does your life fall in? This is too heavy. (laughs) This is too heavy. Let me finish the episode. Um, so Chloe and Chris go to New York and when they're in the car, this was a great scene. When they're in their car, they're like clearly had got, they're like outside of the airport or whatever. So they're sitting there and Chris asks the driver if he can just step out for a few minutes. So Chris, Courtney, or not Courtney, Chloe kind of looks over and you can tell she's uncomfortable. And she says in a confessional that, you know, there are only a handful of reasons why Chris would kick the driver out of the car, like for privacy. So she's nervous about what Chris is about to say. So we get back to them in the car and Chris is like, okay, is this window closed? Like, is everything good? So Courtney, Chloe looks around and she notices that the trunk is still open. Chris, horrid, that horrible woman. Shut the, shut the trunk. Close the trunk. Close, close the trunk. Just that whoever just happens to walk. She doesn't know who this driver is. Just whatever man is outside just yelling, close the trunk at them. Close the trunk. Close the trunk. Chloe, mortified. This is like classic Bethany and Countess Luann when Countess Luann was like, you introduce me at, to the drivers or to the help as Mrs. Deliceps, not Luann. Okay. 
Mrs. Dallas Hobbs. So <laughs> Chloe's like, okay. She finds the driver and is like, excuse me, can you, um, do you mind putting the trunk down, please? <laughs> and then she turns to Chris and is like, you know, it's not really what you say, it's how you say it. And Chris is like, yeah, 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 whatever. So she gets on FaceTime. <laughs> She's a wretched woman. <laughs> and I love her so much. Um, so she gets on FaceTime with none other than Travis, okay? He's managed to suction himself off from Courtney for just a minute to say that um, he wants to know if their schedules are open for the following week because that's when he's going to be proposing. And he says that he met Courtney on the 17th. Um, He's always been in love with her. He thinks that she's his soulmate. And this is what he wants to do. Chloe's crying, allegedly. She even goes so, so far as to take off her sunglasses to show uh, Travis that she's crying. I didn't see a tear. I I didn't see a tear. But she keeps saying that she's crying. And I guess that's enough. And she's like, oh, I I never cry happy tears, blah, blah, blah. Mom, you know I never cry, and especially not when I'm happy. This is such a great moment, blah, blah, blah. So mazel to you guys. They're going to be getting engaged. We'll see it next week. And I'll talk about it on Monday.